Good morning. It's wonderful to see you. Uh, I've missed seeing you. I love Easter. I love Resurrection Morning. I love the celebration. I love the fact that it's one of those days where it's uniquely different. Uh, and it's the first day that's uniquely different. And we'll look at that in a minute. Uh, I also like Easter chocolate. That's quite popular. Has anyone had any chocolate for breakfast today? Wow. I thought that was just us. Apparently, chocolate for breakfast works. Uh, I've not been around the last couple of weeks, and I've missed seeing you. A couple of weeks ago, I was away in the Deep South, speaking at a church in Arkansas, which is a whole nother cultural experience for me. I flew there, and I was surrounded by strange accents. Uh, and a very friendly lady in the seat in front of me said, Gee, I love your accent. Where are you from? And it didn't sound like that. Uh, and I looked at her completely straight and said, Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> and she looked at me like, wait a minute. No, I don't know if she'd been to Boston. She may think that everyone in Boston speaks like me and not like you. But there was this strange moment. Sarah looked at me like, why are you doing this to this lady? I went further. I then, I then opened my wallet and showed her my driving license that said Massachusetts. She was very confused. And I said, I'm not actually from there. I said, I'm from here originally, but I'm there involved in a church. She said, why are you coming here to the South? I said, I'm coming to speak to people about Jesus. And maybe you're one of those people. And she looked even more confused at this point. Uh, and then the confusion went on from there. I then went out to eat a lot. And the food was very strange. Uh, and then the confusion continued because I then came back, attended a conference, and that was good. And then I came back and started to feel a little bit strange. And there was weird things going on inside of my body. And many of you have had these weird things going on. And uh, this COVID thing is real. And last week was my turn. Uh, and I'm feeling much better. Thank you for the people that prayed and sent kind messages. Uh, I'm not feeling any symptoms, but equally, if you don't want to hug, that's fine too. That's okay. Things are a little bit foggy. I described it as coming out of it. It feels like I'm driving on a familiar road and I know the way, but everything's kind of foggy. A little bit weird and confusion, confusing. But it's so nice to get to this moment. On Friday, we gather to celebrate the cross and Good Friday and why it's good. And then today we celebrate resurrection. And Easter is one of these weekends where there are two completely contrasting events, but both of them are part of the same story. Friday is the story of ultimate sorrow and grief and devastation like many of us have never experienced before. And then Sunday is the opposite. Sunday is the story of the ultimate joy and are you kidding me? How did that turn into this moment? And both exist. The sorrow and the grief and the joy and the celebration. And they both exist as part of the same story. And for those of us that have celebrated this occasion before, I want to look at it with fresh eyes. In fact, I want to ask you not just to hear the message or the teaching. Although if you do hear, that helps. But I want to ask you to enter the story 
I particularly want to ask you to imagine it from the view of this lady called Mary, who in John's gospel, as Kevin read to us, we really hear something of her account. And I want you to consider the emotion, what she experienced. And for a minute, I want you to journey that with her. I want us to enter the story and see it from those dual viewpoints, from what happened on Friday to what's happening on Sunday. If church is new to you, just relax. You're not going to be asked what you learn. You're not going to have to remember any of these verses. Just be comfortable. If you've got questions, that's okay too. Most of us have got questions. That's good. So begin at the beginning. I'm going to read the passage that Kevin read so well to us again. This is John 20, verse 1 to 18. It's going to appear on the screen as well. And this is written as an eyewitness account. The other Gospels uh, are written slightly differently. This is written from, I was there, I saw it, and this happened. Which is why I want to encourage you to think like that if you can. John 20 says this, Early on the first day of the week, while it was dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, The cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed, but they still did not understand. I quite like that line. In my Bible, it's in brackets. But I like it because if you've ever sat through church and believed but not fully understood, you are in good company. Then the disciple went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around And saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to my father and your father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things. What an extreme story of emotions. On Friday, Jesus On Thursday, Jesus was erected, and on Friday, he was crucified. It was brutal. It was barbaric, and it was public. 
And that's the beginning of this story. And Mary enters the story absolutely full of the shock, the horror, and the grief of what she had witnessed. She was one of the few people that witnessed it. Most of the others were long gone, but she saw it. She observed it. This was one of those occasions that she was fully present in, the very worst. And that's where the story begins. Most of the other disciples, the men especially, deserted Jesus. The people that said, I'm never going to leave you, they were gone. Now, there's something good about this. If there's times when you've said, Jesus, I'll follow you, but there's other times when you've kind of deserted him and wandered away, you get an invite back. You're not forever excluded from the story that Jesus is telling. But Mary comes from that backdrop that she saw it all. It says that in the morning while it was still dark, my sleep's been lousy the last few weeks. Many of you have received emails from me at four in the morning, and some of you are thinking, what's he doing at four in the morning? For me, when I feel unwell, I quite like a distraction. So I sit there and do things that I enjoy, and some of those things end up in emails. Uh, But she got up because she couldn't sleep. And some of us have experienced the kind of grief where you just can't sleep. It's like what was going on in the day just keeps going on in your mind in the night. And for Mary, she can't sleep. It's dark. And in that moment of complete grief and darkness and despair, she thinks, I'm not getting any sleep. I'm just going to go to the tomb. And she takes this journey to the tomb. Tired, weak, bloodshot eyes. Now, some tradition as to what's going on and why you would go to the tomb and why they would anoint the body. Some information for you. Jewish tradition, they believe that the spirit of the person stayed nearby for the first 72 hours or so after the death. Now, when she arrived, the tomb was open and she's instantly concerned and anxious. In that cultural setting, sometimes there were grave robbers. A tomb was... A a status symbol. If someone was buried in a tomb, they probably had money. Jesus' tomb was gifted to him. But the assumption is often in these tombs, these people were buried with wealth and riches. And sometimes robbers would remove the stone to rob the grave. So Mary's concerned, has this happened to Jesus? And then we get this strange detail. That the head turban was folded up by itself. It was separate. The word folded in the original language says that it was twirled. It was as it would have been assembled around the body. It is as if the body is just separated and moved through the garment. This piece of information is, is quite intriguing. You can see why she was curious. What on earth has gone on here? Which is a great question to ask. What is going on here? As I ask you to put yourself in the story... I want you to imagine what is going on here and what does this mean to me? What does this mean for me? Mary continues to weep. I've got two photos of of a Mary actress. I want to show you the first one. This is a picture of Mary in the moment of grief and despair. And this is a picture that reflects the Mary that witnessed Good Friday. And for many of us, we can connect with this idea of this Mary. For many of us, life has not gone as we expected or or hoped that it might. 
we hear stories of good news, but for some of us, that's not the path that we've trodden in recent times. And for many of us, we can connect with that idea of Mary. She is in so much grief and despair that there's this moment where two angelic beings appear, but she can't see past her grief. She's not startled by the appearance of angels. She's stuck in this moment of grief and despair. The grief was so overpowering, and sometimes darkness can do that to us. But then there's a shift. Mary is not alone. This is the moment when the story shifts. Mary is not alone. Jesus is nearby. He's behind us. I've heard someone say that sometimes God does more behind our back than he does in front of our face. And in this moment, Jesus is nearby. He's around. He's not as far away as she thinks he is. And I want to say to you, if you connect with the first Mary, maybe Jesus is not as far away as you think that he is. Maybe he's nearby, but maybe you've not seen him. And he's behind her. She assumes he's the gardener. That's a reasonable assumption. We're in a nice garden. There's a tomb. She assumes that that's this person's role. Again, she's so stuck in her despair, her grief, her loss, her hurt, her regret. I wish I had said something or done something different. Could it have changed the outcome? She's thinking all these things. She's fatigued. She's been up since crazy o'clock. And she can't see Jesus because of all of her stuff. Sometimes we come to Jesus and we can't see God. I know people that say things like, I can't see God. They're so stuck in their stuff. And it's valid stuff. Mary's emotion and experience is valid. But it is a fog that's so dense that she can't see that this is Jesus. And then there's a moment where Jesus makes it clear. And he makes it clear by simply saying her name. It's so personal. And that's the moment of change. And in a moment, I want you to imagine that. I want you to imagine that moment where, like Mary, you may, came, you may come with questions. She came to the grave with questions and grief and despair and darkness and all of Friday inside of her. And then there's this moment where Jesus, who was closer than she expected all along, says her name and the story changes. Jesus then says something that's profound. If you had read the Gospel of John up to this point, or you know anything of the story of Jesus, Jesus kept annoying people by the way he called God his Father. This was not okay. This, was, this annoyed the religious people, and to the non-religious people, this was just strange. But Jesus is saying, God is not a distant God. He's my Father. And that's the way Jesus always spoke about God. That's the way Jesus taught his followers to pray. And this relationship, this access, this way that Jesus described God is not just something that Jesus had for himself. But he says to Mary, I'm going to my father and your father. 
the relationship that Jesus had that was exclusive to him is no longer exclusive to Jesus, but is now available to you too. This is a bigger shift than just, hey, I'm here, I'm back, isn't that good? It is good. But now there is access to God where it's my Father and your Father, to your God and my God, my Lord and your Lord. This is all changing shape. It's a good moment. It's a new day. The Bible begins in a garden, and it's good, but things go wrong because people like you and me mess up. We do things that we shouldn't do. We try and pretend that we didn't when we did. And Jesus begins this moment in a garden. And the relationship that Jesus had with the Father is available to people like Mary and people like me and people like you who don't have it all worked out, who have got questions and frustration. And at times, we just can't see God, often because we're surrounded by our own stuff. But Jesus appears, says her name, and changes the opportunity where we can all know God. So what does this mean to you? I want you to hear that this story is for you. This teaching is for you. I want you to close your eyes for a moment, and I want you to imagine the face of Jesus. And like Mary, you probably have questions. And like Mary, there's things in your past you wish you hadn't done in the way that you did them, or you wish things could be different. For many of us, we carry the grief and the hurt of Friday. Jesus doesn't diminish that and tell you that it's not important. It is important. He cries with those who cry. But with all the baggage that we bring, like Mary, all the stuff that we bring, Jesus appears and says your name. I want you to hear and imagine the risen Jesus saying your name. Just pause for a moment and hear him saying your name. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, help us to meet you afresh. Lord, for those of us that have believed in you before or know you, I guess we find ourselves similar to like some of the disciples where at times we've walked really closely with you and said things like, we're never going to leave you. And other times, yeah, we've kind of faded away. Lord, I pray that you forgive us. Lord, if there's anyone here And they feel like they've strayed. Like the disciples, they knew you in the past, but they've kind of faded and strayed and at times probably pretended or lived like we don't know you. Father, I pray that those people would hear them, hear your name calling them back this morning. Lord, call us back. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't test us. Like Mary, you didn't test her. You didn't correct her. You just welcomed her. Lord, may those of us that have strayed sense the welcome of Jesus this morning. And for anyone that's not convinced, they don't know if they've ever met you. They've never had this moment that Mary had. Lord, I pray now in this moment, while we've got our eyes closed, that we would say, Jesus, 
I want to know you like this. I want to know you like Mary knew you in this moment. Jesus, forgive me for the times when I've done so many things I shouldn't have done. Help me to know you afresh. Help me to know you for myself. Amen. My prayer for us this morning is that we would know the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus in a way that would bring about that new life. In a way that would join us so that God is not distant. But like the relationship that Jesus had, he is his father and my father. His father and your father. This moment changes everything. And it begins in this most beautifully personal way. But yet it is the moment of ultimate change and joy and celebration. So in keeping with the idea of joy and celebration, it's good and appropriate to reflect and it's good and appropriate to celebrate or to quote the bible to make a joyful noise unto the lord that's in scripture and we've got some some different ways we want to do that in our last song